0: Hey everyone, I'm Mark Talbot from 20 Foot Radius.
1: And I'm Derek Myers from
2: DungeonsMaster.com. I'm Craig Sutherland, and you're listening to Recounting Encounters, a D&D Adventures League podcast.
0: A show where we talk about D&D encounters, D&D expeditions, D&D epics,
1: and exploits from our D&D home games.
0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Recounting Encounters. This week, uh, I guess not much happened at the table, we'll let Craig talk about that. And right after that, we'll talk a little bit about certain, a couple of expedition modules just for uh, this season, uh, Into the Abyss. So without any further ado, uh, hey guys, Craig, I know that uh, you want to talk just briefly about Encounters. I mean, we'll get into more detail next week because uh, I guess, uh, Derek, you didn't play this week, you didn't have time to play, and uh, Craig, you said kind of... Well, anyway, I'll let you talk about it, yeah. but uh, <laughs> but we'll talk more in yeah. detail next week because I'm sure Lama I just fumbled happen. it all. Yeah, I no, just, it yeah. Was,
2: um, <laughs> no, it was no, it was. So basically, the way it is is that you have this sort of opening scenario where you're these prisoners that are escaping this drow imprisonment, and um, basically you have a whole bunch of locations in the under the underdark is just kind of open to you at a certain point. You have a whole bunch of these uh, locations that you can that you have the option of visiting. Uh, you'll recognize a lot of the uh, places if you are a reader of any of the Forgotten Realms books or, or anything like that. So, um, but it's not like you just like okay, well now you, you travel here like we're gonna go here. Okay, you arrive right. It's like you have to travel this distance. You've just escaped as a prisoner, so you're you know you're trying to survive. You have no food. You have no water necessarily. You have whatever equipment you were able to to salvage from the drow captors. Uh, so a lot of it is. A, Basically, the second chapter of that book gives you... It's its not a, a chapter that says, here's what happens next in the story. It's a chapter that says, this is how the players travel between locations. Because if you're traveling from point A... To point B, it's not necessarily a straight line, it's going to be lots of twisting and turning uh, tunnels and caverns and whatnot that they're going to have to pass through. Uh, it might be a lot of uh, obstacles in the way that they, they can't possibly anticipate. So, th- there's a lot of tables to roll on. There's a uh, you know, there's various types of terrain encounters, creature encounters that they can have. The creature encounters aren't always combat s- situations. Uh, you can run into a, a, another group of escaped slaves, doesn't have to be from the same place that you came from, but there's Definitely, other settlements within the Underdark that people could be coming from, for example, uh, and um, yeah, just lots of different things. And they really try to um, emphasize the sort of alien and wondrous, but but very dangerous atmosphere about the whole thing. Uh, so I'll, I'll, again, like I said, you you'll spend. Most likely a few sessions going th- just through traveling. You're you're tracking the amount of days that they're traveling, how much food they need to eat, how much they have to forage. And it's it's a very interesting system. It's going to lead to a lot of interesting and different scenarios at everyone's encounters table, I think. But yeah. that's what I spent the whole week or the whole session doing.
1: Yeah, I was going to. So just to clarify. So with my group, we had a couple people who couldn't make it. We had a couple guys who had to work. Unexpectedly, we've had people going back to school, illness, the whole bit. Anyway, that's so that's why my group didn't run this week. But to your point, Craig, when I was doing the prep because I didn't know I wasn't going to run until Wednesday night when we showed up at the store, um, there's a lot of random encounters, and you know, emphasis on the random. There's lots of tables to roll on, and you you know you add all the stuff together to figure out what's going on. I would strongly, strongly encourage DMs to do those random rolls ahead of time and prep out what you want. Your encounters to be. So they can still be random in the sense of use your dice to determine what happens, but I I, I wouldn't be rolling at the table on the fly because there are just too many options. It would require an amazing amount of of familiarity by the DM with all the possible scenarios. Uh, If you roll ahead of time, even just maybe set up two or three or four that these are the ones I'm going to I'm gonna use this week, and then you can even just save set up four, roll it d four, I'm gonna use you know whatever, and then roll it and do it. Uh, I think if you just leave it completely to chance, you're gonna number one, it's gonna waste a little bit of time while you simply roll dice and read through the oh, that's this one kind of kind of thing. But um, if you're not familiar with it and you just try and run it on the fly, I think you're gonna do gonna do a disservice to yourself and the group. like uh, uh, you know this there is a ton of stuff you might potentially need to prep for, so do yourself a favor and, and make this easier.
2: Indeed. And there's a lot of rolling, too. It's not just rolling on the encounters. They've really thought of everything for it. So if you know, okay, you roll the d20, you know it's an encounter, maybe it's a terrain, maybe it's a a, a creature, or maybe it's a creature and terrain, depending on what you rolled. And then from there, you have to roll a d6 to determine the size of the cavern that they're in. Is it completely open? Is it medium size is it narrow uh then you have to decide uh, is it lit at all is there any kind of like glowing lichen or something like that along the cavern wall and that's another role so there's a lot of uh, a lot of sort of conditional things that you have to set up right from the outset so i mean some of these things too can just be like you don't necessarily have to. you can just be like okay in this case this makes sense so let's do this
1: yeah and and if you've prepped it ahead of time or if in your mind you've got an idea of what you want to like hey they're going to be coming up i need it to be a terrain thing you can always just pick it um but if you know what you want to have happen ahead of time because you've prepped it you can almost anticipate it so to your point craig is the cavern lit well maybe where they are right now is not lit but the cavern up ahead is going to be you can almost allude to that it's like oh you think you might see a little hint of light down the you know you can you can sort of speckle those little foreshadowing bits in there so that when it happens, it's not just like, Oh, you went from complete darkness to a totally lit room. It's like, well, what we didn't notice the dim light for the last 15 minutes as we approached it kind of thing. Um, so again, just for DMS who maybe haven't run it or for D cause this is going to be a chapter in the book that you're going to potentially come back to many times. So you'll find yourself doing these little encounters all, you know, maybe every other week, every couple of weeks. So, um, you know there there are certainly enough combinations that you shouldn't have to do the exact same thing twice unless you really want to um, so yeah roll them up ahead of time it would be my advice indeed so the other question I had for you then Craig was um, the way the adventure is set up and, and I'm referring to the PDF that's provided for free to the DMs not the actual hard book module although I know they're very similar right Uh Chapter 1 was The Drown Prison. Chapter 2 is The Traveling Chapter, which it says you'll come back to Chapter 2 again and again. And then Chapter 3 is the first major point of interest. And I don't want to <laughs> go into too much detail because some people probably don't know put, you know, what that could be. I don't want to spoil it. Right. Um, and then every chapter after that one, after Chapter 3, is another location of interest. And it says between each of the chapters, go back to Chapter 2 and do some traveling stuff, which is fine. It gives four... Uh, i guess you could call them i would let's call them mini dungeons almost
2: well like you know the the way the book describes interest. them yeah. the, the way the book describes them is that they have these this random table of these little minor encounters these are more larger encounters that are meant to that, that can fill a full session so yes. there four very specific like mini dungeon type things yeah
1: and they're they don't have a specific location on the map, so it's not like, well, when my characters get to this point on the map, they get this one. It's it's absolutely at the DM's discretion. Do whichever one makes sense at the time It makes the most sense when it, for your group, uh, both in-game and out-of-game. The question I had was, there's four areas of interest, and as I was reading through all four of them, it occurred to me that perhaps they should be done in a certain order, uh, because some of them certainly seemed a little bit more difficult than others. Um... Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: I would, I definitely agree that it should probably be done in a, in a way that you're going to be able to get the easier stuff done first, considering you're at a very big disadvantage initially. Although I, I can't say which one would go ahead of the other. But I know if you're just planning on running the PDF and you're not going to move on beyond whatever's in that free PDF, then the idea is that you play through those four encounter sites, yeah, be- yeah. So, because I believe they say use chapter two, you have a bunch of random encounters that you can that you can put up, but then make sure you go through these four sites and then move on to the next sort of major location, uh, which is the third chapter in the book. Uh, but at that point, once you finish that, it ends. However, if you're planning on using the book, if you want to go beyond the PDF, then don't use those four major things all at once. You can throw one of them out there if you want, but uh, you should keep them for when they're traveling between major locations later on, because like you said, Derek, there's several chapters after that detail other locations that the, the characters are are quite possibly going to want to go to, so save those there. But if you're just doing the PDF, though, yeah, there's you're going to want to put thought into sort of the difficulty level of, of you know, what the characters are going to be coming up against, right?
1: Yeah, and I know for me, as I was reading it, I found that in some of them, there are NPCs that will be helpful, and in some cases, there are NPCs that are, you know, are, are adversaries. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on which order you you do the little mini mods, the party will gain certain benefits, certain information by befriending certain NPCs along the way, or they'll get screwed over by certain NPCs along the way. Um, mm-hmm. But also, I noticed that with some of them, the potential rewards for exploring these dungeons. Uh, You know, the sheer stuff you get, the money, the equipment, uh, in a couple of cases, even an interesting magic item or two, uh, you know, would certainly help shift the power base. So that's why I was asking about the order, because uh, to me, it seemed like they progressively get harder. um, And in that case, for especially a newer group or a party where everyone started at level one, you'd almost want to do them in the order they're printed in the book. But (laughs) pound pound for pound, when I was reading it, I found the number three and number four uh, dungeons, to me, were more interesting. So those were the ones that I immediately felt that I wanted to run with my group. So it's going to be that fine line between, uh, um, you know, don't put them in a situation where you're setting them up to fail. Don't put them in a situation where they're so overpowered you have to fudge dice rolls for them to even survive. Uh, The reason some of these things are more difficult uh, is, well, I mean, there are going to be rewards that offset those difficulties. So if they do manage to survive, they're compensated. But if you just spoon feed it for them, you put them into a really tough dungeon, and then you don't give them the full-on monsters because it's going to be too difficult, suddenly they've gained rewards that maybe they shouldn't have earned. So it'll be a little bit of a balancing act for DMs. So just uh, for anyone who is running it, I would encourage you to make sure you've read all four of those encounters before you decide to use any one of them. But if in doubt, I would just start with the first one as printed.
2: Yep. That makes sense, and my recommendation too is that it does go on about survivability. Like you're gonna have to find food, and you're gonna have to drink water. You don't have easy access to this stuff. Normally, when we play encounters, we don't really pay attention to that kind of thing, just because you're, you know, you're in the open wild. It's it's not really an issue. You can go sleep in town, like you go back to Red Larch in Prince of the Apocalypse, right? That kind of thing. But in this particular case. The atmosphere is supposed to be one of, of trying to survive. You're, you're lost in the Underdark. You're trying to find your way back out as best you can. And, and the whole idea is they want that that feeling. So I've, I've been pressing on with with pretty much everything that they've written, what, what they've intended, I've been trying to enforce. And my table, they really started noticing the effects of, uh, of having to forage and, and get themselves some food. But the PDF and the book do a very good job at laying out the different various types of fungi and, and yeah. the other things that you can find. I think it's absolutely worth your time to, to play with this, to designate someone as the, uh, the, you know, the resource tracker, uh, of the party, but my group did it. And they really like they thought that added such a great dynamic. I mean, that's right in the player's handbook, these rules, but they thought this, this added a great dynamic that allowed them to, uh, it, like it made it feel very different it really added to the to the feeling of you know they are literally just escaped from a prison they're filthy uh you know they they just have whatever scraps of uh, clothing and armor that they could find and just whatever weapons they were able to salvage before they got out of there
1: yeah yeah no it should be good i actually be although I didn't play I was at the store and I talked to a couple of the other dms before I left and one of them said that in the party they had in their party they have. Uh, a ranger, a druid, and someone with the Outlander background. And he said like, as soon as they started making those foraging rolls, they practically couldn't fail because they had so many characters that were already so good at it. However, Whereas, let, I know my point... group...
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd have to point something in here because we had some of the Outlander as well. We looked at the feature. It actually won't allow you in the Underdark because there has to be berries that are available. Oh, yeah. ha- it has to be wild. They actually have... They do have an Underdark deep delver is the exact same feature as the outlander except for the underdark good to know good so because i had someone in my in my party who had that and we were looking at the background features and i like, go oh, you know what this this specifically mentions as long, assuming you can find beasts uh, and berries and this kind of stuff then you, you have no problem with this so i was like okay well i guess you could probably find beasts and but then I, we looked at the uh, uh the out of the abyss background which was a very similar feature the 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 Underdark Delver, I think is the, is the background. Very similar feature, except it sounds like an Outlander type thing tailored for the Underdark because specifically it was, you know how to find food if you're foraging in the Underdark.
1: Good, good, good point. Okay. We'll have to review some of the characters then when I, when I play again next time. So anyway, we'll pick this up, uh, next week. Hopefully the parties will get closer to some of the, uh, uh, areas of the mod where there is a little more action going on uh, rather than just some of the random encounters. And But, uh, you know,
2: though these random encounters yeah. are really cool. Yeah. There's going to be some really cool combinations of things that happen because they're not always just combat situations. There's just strange situations, too. So it's going to be interesting to see.
1: Actually, while I'm thinking about that, just really <laughs> for, for any DMs out there who uh, want to sort of get a better idea of how to run this, if you're a new DM or, or you're not really sure this isn't your style of game, if you haven't already read the R.A. Salvatore novels, the Dark Elf Trilogy his is, is uh, chronologically the first three Drizzt novels. The second book in that series, I believe, is called Exile.
2: Uh, yes. That sounds
1: right. And the the basic premise of it is at the end of the first book, Drizzt leaves Menzel and once he realizes I'm not a typical draw. I'm getting the hell out of here. And then book two is him alone with just the Panther figurine for the entire book. Like he's trying to figure out how to survive in the Underdark without friends or people or civilization. And there are a lot of really good chapters in that novel where it talks about foraging. It talks about, uh, encountering random monsters in the Underdark. I can remember one specific one where uh, I think it was like a, a little ar- goblin army was coming through the area where he was, and he th- he's like, look, I could totally take out some goblins, but there's a hundred of them. Why would I risk this? And because the goblins weren't using torches, they were relying on their dark vision, he was able to hide a- and basically... Uh, if I remember correctly, he had, like, one of those drow cloaks, and it sort of masks your heat signature in the books. Right, yeah. And he yep. was able to, like, wrap it around himself and make himself <laughs> look like a stalagmite or a stalactite, which everyone's on That's the right. floor. They had
2: vision at the time. Because
1: they were using their dark vision, yeah. And they literally just walked right past him uh, because he was able to assess the terrain, figure out, you know, can, how can I just hide and avoid this combat? And literally the whole army marches right past him, and he's like, well, you know. That, that worked out pretty good. Um, so yeah, if DMS are looking for inspiration, if you haven't already, or even if you have already, uh, exile is the name of the book. It's the second one in the legend of Drizzled series by Ari Salvatore. I would strongly encourage you to pick it up. Even as just a standalone book, it's, it's worth the read. If you're going to be running this, uh, this encounter, this, um, adventure this season, I think it'll give you a lot of good inspiration.
2: And if you're fast enough for you to read the whole trilogy, cause it's a great trilogy. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, there's also a, uh... The forward of this book says, specifically calls out Exile and says this was the inspiration. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah, yeah. Right <laughs> <Sure>. away. Christopher <laughs> says that straight up. So, indeed.
1: There you go. All right. Expeditions. Mark, you still with us? I am. Okay. So, we have access to the first four Expedition mods. These all debuted at Gen Con. Uh, there's, the first one is Harriet and Far. It's one of these five-parters. Our good friend Sean Merwin wrote them they're designed to be run in about 60 to 90 minutes uh if you've played the first mod for tyranny of dragons or elemental evil same idea um i myself haven't had a chance to do any of these yet i found that with last season i ended up running most of those little ones towards the end of the encounter season when we needed filler i know you guys had a chance to uh play the first one is that correct
0: yeah yes
1: yeah um so in a few minutes we'll let you guys jump into that uh the other mods we've got access to. Uh, oh, and that Harriet and Hillsfar is also available in Dragon Plus. So for people who aren't DMs and don't have access to the DM portal, if you want to, if you want to copy that mod, it's in the Dragon Plus, which you can download for free using your Android or iOS device. Um, second mod is for levels one to four. It's called Shackles of Blood. It debuted at Gen Con. I know I played it at Gen Con. I believe you guys played it since then. Uh, one of our Expeditions weekends. Is that correct?
2: Uh, it, Yeah, it played oh, one yeah. of the weekends, uh, Shackles of Blood. It, this was not part of the All-Access pl- Pass, or was it? No, 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 it wasn't.
1: Well, not ours, because we did the high tier. This is the one to Oh, launch. right, yeah, okay. And you yeah, guys no, played, that's played, right? I like, played either... it, I played it. Yeah, you get, no, neither of you guys were the DM for that one?
2: No, I wasn't the DM. I was uh, no. just playing that week, and I think, I, I don't know if Mark played it, though. Did you, Mark?
0: Which one?
1: Did you guys not play it at the same table? Shackles of Blood. Did you play that one, Mark? I no, don't Mark think
0: so. It doesn't table. sound familiar.
1: Okay. Uh, So both Craig and I have played it then. Different tables, different experiences, I would imagine. Uh, The third mod we're going to talk about is uh, 3-03. This is a 5-10 one. It's called The Occupation of Sith Morcane. assuming I'm pronouncing that correctly. This is the one that we all participated in in our our all-access pass at Gen Con. I've since run this module four four more times, so I think I'm becoming an expert at it. (laughs) And uh, and I, I have a lot of tips for people who haven't run it yet but plan to run it. And then we've got DDX uh, 3-04. This is the first eleven level 11 to 16 adventure that's been released for Expeditions. It's called uh, It's All in the Blood. I have not played this, but one of the guys in our group did play it at Gen Con and said it was really, really good. It's listed as an eight-hour runtime, and from what I heard from people who played it at Gen Con, that is a very conservative estimate. Um, I know that we're <laughs> looking at potentially... Around running it at our store as a special event, all day event near Christmas time and hopefully that'll give some of our regular players a chance to earn enough XP to hit that 11 to 16 tier. Um, so unfortunately I don't think we'll be in a position to talk about that one today but so let's go back to the beginning. Harrison Hills far DDX 3-01. So you guys played this Mark, why don't you tell us about it since we don't hear from you that much on these? <laughs>
0: um, it was a night we Basically, it was a, an encounters night, right? It was kind of at the end of the no. It was the first week of Rage of Demons, and uh, so no, I, no,
2: you're right. It, it was encounters night because it was before Rage of Demons had started. It, but it we had finished Princes, so we we thought we would do the first right. Yeah, as sort right. of a sneak peek.
0: So I was I was with an interesting group, and um, it, it was a couple of guys I didn't know that they had previous role playing experience, but it uh, it became pretty evident later. Um, It was an interesting adventure, basically, you know, you start off, same old thing, you're either on a road, in a bar, or whatever, the starting was fine, Um, and then we run into this guy, this bumbling, mumbling guy, who comes out of the forest, all, you know, scratched and bloodied, and it looks like he's just, kind of like a walking dead going through, but he's kind of alive, so he keeps mumbling these five phrases, so we ask him, and, you know, we start writing it down, and then we wanted to go to, is it Hillsfire, where they're not they don't like uh, non-humans? Yeah. Okay. yeah. <clears throat> All right, so we went to Hillsfire to say, okay, well, we got the information from him. We just want to drop him off. We want to make sure he's okay. Um, then they refused to take him in because he was associated with elves, and we had a we had a drow in the party, a high elf, and a dragonborn. So really not a good mix to go up to Hillsfire with, right? So they kind of spit at our feet and told us to take the old man away. <laughs> and on the way, he kept mumbling this thing about, uh, what is it? dandelions or, or something about it's been a while Daff, daffodils oh yeah a field full of daffodils and apparently yeah you,
2: no it, i think
0: d- dandelions right
2: yeah it was dandelions i believe it was he, bas- he basically gave the imagery of dandelions and you you end up passing um like a farmstead that kind of resembled just the colors they use the green and the yellow tops
0: right so anyway long and short we went to this farm um, I don't think we're going to... Are, are we going to go into detail about stuff that happens in the module or are we just going to kind of flub it over?
1: Don't, try not to give too much away because it's yeah. still early in the, uh, right. in the season so people haven't played it yet and I haven't played it yet. So I you know, tell us what you have to but try to keep any of the little details.
0: All right. So long and short, uh, we'll talk about this later. I mean, you know, what happened in the encounter because there were some things mm-hmm. that were quite funny. Uh, but you get your first introduction to demons. Now, the thing that made this adventure um for me very very uh interesting and, and, and a lot of fun was a the group you were with they were really chill and easygoing and you know very thoughtful in, in, in things they did. Secondly this was an extremely good party. And I'm talking about alignment here, not just good as in like good players. Right. A very good aligned party. So number one, we never let this guy out of our sight. We took care of him whether he was a burden or not. Uh for the family of the farm that had the daffodils on the roof, you know, we gave up almost all our gold to help them survive because, you know, they're taking care of all these runaway children, orphans, and all that kind of stuff like that. This party was above and beyond probably one of the best parties I've ever played with and we were only three around the table. Um so that's what made it a lot of fun. Plus, a lot of us had very inventive ways of defeating the the, the evil and the monsters that was there. So I'm not going to give any more away because you really have to play this, but I think it really has to be done in terms of good versus evil because if you go in with kind of like that chaotic neutral attitude or that chaotic evil attitude or even an evil attitude, period, well, you're just going to get along with the monsters and that just really would probably drag down the module. And I don't know if you have anything to add there, Craig.
2: Well, I I think the, the thing that I would add is just that the way again, without getting into spoiler territory, but I found that uh, the um, the scenario had a very cool. Like it wasn't it, did, it wasn't just a very straightforward encounter. I mean, I guess parts of it were, but it was just the way it was presented was very like it was a good introduction, I guess, to the storyline season. For sure. Like it was, it was. Uh, I thought it was very nice and atmospheric, and it certainly helped. I think Sean Muran's uh, writing on this was great. I thought it was a very creative. Uh, Wait, because I mean, the pre- previous uh, two where they had the five little mini sessions, they're all sort of woven together with this sort of overlying narrative. Like the first season in, in uh, Tyranny of Dragons was that you were spending time in this Laughing Goblin goll- Inn, I think it was, or, or whatever it was. And then I know in um, ele- Elemental Evil, you're you're spending a couple nights at this party and you're doing favors for people uh, in the town, or sorry, in the city of Mallmaster. Now, in this case, you're dealing with this. Sort of crazy guy, and uh, I, you know, again, I won't get into all the details, but it's it's very. Um, uh, it was it was a very cool way to be introduced to this demonic threat that's uh, that's affecting.
0: For sure, the n- land. Not only not only did we have a good group of guys at the table, but I mean the DM. I mean Craig. You know, I'm going to big you up a little bit here, um, but the DM also rolled with anything that we put forward, and I think that in itself. I mean, Sean, Sean Merwin's writing is great, uh, and, and everything like that. But I think Craig really made that evening for everybody in terms of making it roll with it. It almost felt like, like, cause some of the, almost half of the adventure we did wasn't even in the module. Um, right Craig? Yeah. Okay. You and know, that, and he, that's always when, and you get he, a good, he, yeah, good and, DM who
1: can roll with it and not, you know, yeah, 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 that's pretty, yeah.
0: and he rolled. he rolled with it and it felt like it was part of the story and, uh, you know, a couple of times, like, caught Craig just kind of going, oh, crap. Not really crap, but, oh, crap. <laughs> and, uh, you know, oh, yeah, but, uh, okay, here, let's uh, let's pretend to roll behind our screen, and this is what happens, and this is what happens. Like, he kind of kept us on the edge the whole time. We're wondering, okay, Hillsfire, and he knows, he knew enough about Hillsfire. He re- I guess he read ahead of time. Knew about Hillsfire, and, you know, guards the gate. He had the right attitude, the right atmosphere, and it just made us want to be better role players or try inventive things. And, uh, you know, it was really, really a lot of fun, and I can't stress enough for anybody that's going to start in expeditions, play this, play this one hour, play this one off. It's great.
2: Yeah, it's very cool, and for anyone who's DMing it, definitely take a look at the State of Hillsfire uh, article that they put out. You can get it at the dndadventuresleague.org website um, or on the if you have access to the the resources. Page. Page, you'll find it there but uh, it, it gives you great background on Hillsfire if you're not already familiar with it
0: so that's my five cents
2: yeah yeah, yeah. so it's pretty good I mean what did you think about um, the scenarios that we went through during Gen Con because I, I know like it, it's a long time ago for us now I know Derek's run a whole bunch of, uh, uh, of that one but uh, the, the Zith Marcane one but what did you feel about
0: uh, I'm trying to remember uh, what they were because everything seems like a big jumble so the Rage so, of Demons ones were just kind of give me a quick synopsis.
2: <clears throat> well, you know what to tell you truth because I know we did at Gen Con, we did the we did the Elemental Evil one, then we did the epic. So we did the the Zithmarcain scenario, and then we did the epic for that. So really, we just did the one one scenario outside of that.
0: But which one's Zithmarcain?
2: That you know what? It's been so long, I can't remember. Derek, I think he might be having some connection issues.
0: Oh, okay. Well, regardless. Um, but what was the epic The Rage of Demons epic one? Cause that's the one that we kind of rushed through.
2: Yeah, that one was it's, um, it blood, of blo- blood above blood below. I believe that's that that's what it was but called. Do you remember what happened in it? It's the one that kicked off. I remember we yeah, that's right. I we were supposed to go and there was a there's a tournament happening or there's like a gladiatorial combat happening above. And uh, there's also something like that happening below, and we're being sent to infiltrate Zithmarcaine, where this uh, Drow had been taken prisoner, or or maybe it was that this, uh... you know, what? I can't remember. Yeah, <laughs> I no. just remember we had to go deal with a threat within Zithmarcaine, while a couple of other groups, because it's, it was the epic. You had um, you had the uh, one of the tables was or would be up taking care of these this arena fight happening up above which I, I presume was in Hillsfire and then down below there was also another arena fight that the, the characters are going into but the idea was that oh now I remember yeah because when when people died in the arena their blood was was sort of uh, being deposited into this sort of magic circle that was going to be calling forth a, some sort of demon from the abyss I think do you remember that's the one that that there was that disc of blood in the middle when we got to the to the center of it and then you, that's the one where you banish the guy to uh, you, you banish the, the bad guy the epic guy you're talking to, about now yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm trying,
0: trying, trying to remember to because you know, I was so sick for that epic right so I'm trying to remember what the epic was about <laughs> Oh, yeah. you don't remember that
2: yeah <clears throat> no I, I remember you being sick yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> I, I remember playing the epic but it, it's just because it was such a long time ago now that it, it's kind of fuzzy but Derek you, I know you had the uh, you had the chance to to run it again at a, another convention at Fan Expo.
1: Yeah, we... Um, it, it was it was good. I mean, it was always... It, the epics are always uh, great just because they're special, so it was nice to get a chance after playing it to be able to run part of it. And the, uh, the, the challenge I found running it was that it's on the clock uh, and with a large group, uh, not that we were anywhere near as large as a Gen Con group, um, I think we had... 12 tables, all told. Every group has certain objectives they must complete within a certain real-time amount of time, and it's been a long while since I've participated in, like, run a D&D adventure that's on a real-time clock, so that, I found, was a little bit of a challenge for me. I had to, you know, wrap things up real quick in one case, but um, no, I enjoyed it. I would certainly uh, encourage people yeah, to have an opportunity a to one. play it, to try it.
0: Yeah, I don't remember it. Hey guys, I noticed that we've been having so, a little bit of internet difficulties here, so I would suggest that we continue with these this expedition talk next week. So for all the for all of you out there, until next week, have a blast!
1: You can follow me on Twitter at underscore DM and be sure to visit dungeonsmaster.com for original D and D Fourth Edition material, including a weekly field report of my D and D encounters experiences.
0: And follow me on Twitter at 20Foot and visit 20FootRadius.blogspot.com for your weekly dose of DD encounters. That's 20FootRadius20FTRadius.blogspot.com. Until then, have a blast.